This morning, as we honor our dads and think about Father's Day, of course, we recognize that for many, this is a day of mixed emotions. This is a difficult day for some, and of course, our church and my family is experiencing that in a new way this year. And so we're mindful that uh, this can be a complicated day for people. And so to that, I want to say that the rest of the verse that I read this morning, or, or I should say the next verse in Psalm 68, says that God is a father to the fatherless. And so we're thankful for that. And all the ways in which our fathers have been wonderful to us, it's just a hint of how wonderful our Heavenly Father is. And all the ways in which our fathers may have failed and may have come short, and we all do, it's just a reminder of how much we need our Heavenly Father and how thankful we are for Him. So wherever you are today, and whatever Father's Day means to you, we're glad that you're here. Um, This morning, you're going to have the opportunity to hear from three dads in our church we're excited about it. You got to hear from their wives on Mother's Day. And so if you were here on Mother's Day, you know that they have some seriously big shoes to fill this morning. And so I'm going to introduce all three of them at the same time, although they're going to come one at a time right after each other. And our first is Joel Reed. And then we have Derek Henderson. And then last, but certainly not least, Rand Anderson. So would you please welcome first Joel? Morning. So uh, you can see that I guess I'm a little nervous. And uh, in youth service, the uh, youths know that I don't like using mics. So um, we'll get through it together. Um, This morning, you heard Pastor David call me Joel. You can call me whatever you want to call me, Joel or Joel. It doesn't matter. My parents call me Joel. for years, I've been called Joel, and then uh, um, recently it's been changed to Joel. So, <laughs> so uh, yes, as I mature. That's actually my professional name, Joel. Um, so, we'll get through this together. All right. If you hear a pause, it's not because I lost my thoughts, but I'm gathering my thoughts with my notes here. Uh, this is a new experience for me. So, I'll start off my uh, story, or I guess my uh, message today with... To be a father is a gift from our father. So you heard all heard from my wife last, or a couple weeks ago, for a Mother's Day, and she talked about her morning adventures with, with our kids. But fortunately, my story is not as adventurous as my, wife's story, as my wife's story, but I have the kids in the afternoon, as you guys would think, since my wife has the kids in the morning. And uh, my afternoons are not as crazy, but Wednesdays, I would say, would be the... the the most craziest day for, for, for me because I work from uh, 6 in the morning to about 4.30 in the afternoon. And by the time I get to Liverpool, it's 5.30. So I get to Liverpool, I have to go to the YMCA to pick up Milan, and then to a before and after school program to pick up Anaya. And I'm trying to get ready for church. So I have the two of them running around. One is saying, my feet hurt, I'm hungry, I need water. What are you doing? Are we going to church? The other one is like, Daddy, this is my day. <laughs> so, and I'm trying to say, okay, you, finish eating, go upstairs, go take your pump, go bathe. You, sit down. <laughs> so that's, that's my Wednesdays. And, and by the time we're all ready and we get ready to go to church, I'm like, man, I really don't want to go to church. But 
you know, and, uh, have the strength to get up and come to church. So that's, that's typically my, my afternoon, specifically on Wednesday. Uh, as a parent, specifically fathers, we're looked at as the leaders in our kids' eyes, uh, as, as the one that, that can provide them with all the answers, right? We have all the answers. Now, my experience lies from zero to seven. Well, my daughter's going to turn seven in a couple of months, so anyone that's seven and older, I'm not there yet. So uh, as of right now, I have all the answers, right? <laughs> but every day when I look at my kids, I learn more, and I feel like I'm the student, and my kids are the teacher. And I'll tell you a little story about that. So specifically, I want to talk about when Anaya was around let's say about eight to 10 months. And uh, Elisa and I were getting a little frustrated with her because we were trying to get her to sit up, right? Anaya would not sit up nor roll over. I mean, we tried everything. We propped her up, we held her up, and then moved back, and Anaya would fall back down, right? We'd try to put a pillow to help her roll over. we try to do everything, everything you can think of, we try to do to get Anaya to sit up. So one day we said, that's it, we're done. We, we got frustrated, we said, we're not gonna, do this anymore, this will happen whenever she feels like it. So one day we dropped, a couple weeks later, we dropped her off at, at daycare, um, and uh, it was my, my afternoons to come pick her up. So the, the way the daycare is set up is you have the front door where you walk in, you walk to their room, and then there's a door obviously to enter their room, but off to the side, there's a, there's a window. And the window's there so you can peek in at, at your kid, right, to make sure everything is going good. You know, you're inspecting the room, you're looking at the teacher-student ratio because it's our first kid, right? So that window, that window got its use. <laughs> so one afternoon, I went to pick up Anaya. And I'm looking, and I nearly fell back myself because I'm shocked. There's Anaya sitting up and playing. And I looked at the teacher, and the teacher's looking at me like, smiling and stuff, but she kind of don't have an idea what's going on. So I'm, I don't know what to do, right? I'm shocked. I'm standing at the window. Now, Anaya hasn't seen me yet. And I went to go take my phone out to text Alicia saying, oh, gosh, Anaya's sitting up. I said, hold on. Let me wait. So I went to the door, and I cracked open the door. The same shock I had, the same shock, the same shock I had that day, Anaya had the same shock. She looked up. She looked at me. She looked around, and then she threw herself back. And then... <laughs> And then she started crying. She started crying and she could not sit up at all. I learned a valuable lesson that day. Patience. Patience with Anaya. Every day we try to teach Anaya something, right? And we're, we're going back and forth with her. We're trying to get her to understand. We're saying, no, this is how you do it. This is how you do math. This is how you read. This is how you go about your day. And Anaya looks at us like, and then when we're out in the open and we're sitting back and she's with her friends or she's talking to someone, it's like she knew it the whole time. So the lesson I learned, like I said that day, was patience. But patience in, in, in a way such as God tells us when, when we pray, when we ask for things, when we, when we seek for him, he goes, uh-uh, not on your time, but on my time. And my daughter taught me that. My daughter taught me, Dad... No matter what you do or how many times you think that it's on your time, I'm going to let you know that it's on my time. That was the story with Anaya. Milan now. Milan is my love bug. I, I think you guys will notice that Milan is very, very lovable, right? And Milan taught me a lesson on love. When I come home from work, uh, you know, when it's, when it's a bad day, when I have a bad day at work or 
or just things are not going right, or it's gloomy outside, or it's like negative 10 outside because I don't like the winter time. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to come home. I just want to relax. I want to get away. I want to go lay on a beach or something. I go to pick up Milan. Now, Milan is in the same daycare, and there's that window again. Now, Milan is like this tall, and the window is up here. So this is Milan. Daddy, 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 daddy. Jumping on that window, right? So I go to get her, and then she puts a smile on my face, because as soon as I open up the door, she comes running at me. She bobs and weaves through the kids, does a spin around the whole nine yards, and then make it towards me, and then she goes, I love you, and then she hugs you. You know, she rubs your face. She rubs your back. She kisses you all over. When, when it's time to go to bed, she's got to kiss you on your cheek, your other cheek, your chin, your forehead, your ears, everything. When you're taking a shower, she sits outside the door, and she waits for you. She turns right around and says, hi, right? And she's just there waiting for you to greet you and make you feel very special. Now, I know all you parents, especially fathers, you love that with your daughters. So the lesson learned there is I see a piece of God's love through Milan because God loves everyone. Our Father loves everyone. And to have that experience to, to just look at your kids and and say, I could love like that. I need to love like that. And I need to experience that same type of love. And I need to share that same type of love because that's the same love that God shared for us. I guess the uh, message I have uh, for fathers is, as a father, our hearts and our minds have to be like an open door and an open window. Anaya and Milan are my children, and we have a special connection and a special relationship. And that relationship is that I am their father and that any time they can come to me, ask me anything, they can talk to me, I am their light, I am everything to them. But the analogy there is that uh, our father who art in heaven, that's how, that's how God is to us, Right? God made it in such a way through his son's death that we don't have to go to a priest to go talk to God. We don't have to bring a sacrificial lamb or a sacrifice to come talk to God. At any point in time, any day of the week, any time, we can just sit down in our space and go talk to God. So fathers, love your children Every day of your life, you only get one chance to be a father. My kids are my pride and joy, my heart and soul. My rhyming song, my right, and my wrong. I wouldn't want it any other way, as I know God wouldn't want it any other way for us because that's how he looks at us as his children. So I started out my message with to be a father is a gift from our father. Take that message and let it resonate in your heart because we are fathers to our kids and we should imitate, not only imitate, but we should practice the same love and the same gift to our kids that our father has gave to us. Thank you.
Thank you, Joel. Now I'm a wreck. I don't know if I can talk now. <laughs> For those who don't know me, I think I know most of your faces. I'm Derek Henderson. I'm a deacon here and also work with the youth staff. Uh, but more importantly, I've been married to my wife of 18, going on 19 years, Lisa. And I have four wonderful children who I'm very proud of. <laughs> Emma, who just graduated yesterday from high school. Carter, Jared, and Abigail. The quote from my, one of my favorite baseball players growing up, Lou Gehrig, I mean, I was not that old, but he was from the 30s, but one of my favorite players kind of imitating, and look, it was Lou Gehrig, and he said on his, uh, his last days, that today I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. I say this because I had two of the greatest examples of fathers in my life. My dad and my father-in-law. I learned so much from them, not only from their words of wisdom and encouragement, but also from their acts of love that they showed toward their children and toward their grandchildren. Both of them have unfortunately, not unfortunately, both of them have gone on to be in glory with God, and I miss them dearly today. When I was growing up, baseball was an integral part of my life. For those who know me, I, I'm a big Yankee fan. And when we were growing up, we were immersed ourselves in the stats of our favorite players. We imitated their pitching and hitting styles. We... Uh, you know, even growing up, you know, I played with my friends from morning to dusk playing baseball. You know, we go in the morning, eat, play baseball, come home for lunch, go back and play baseball until it's time to go home at night. And one of my fondest memories growing up with my father outside the church was playing catch with him, playing baseball. And playing catch with him in the front yard. He coached my brother and I for many, many years growing up. It's kind of funny, my mom would say on her anniversaries, you know, instead of going out on a fancy date or dinner or someplace like that, she spent her anniversary for probably 15 years at the ball game, watching her father, watching her father, watching her husband coach her sons playing baseball. So, um, and what got me thinking about that was on recently, probably like two or three weeks ago, uh, Lisa took a picture of me playing catch with my sons, Jared and Carter, after a pretty stormy run. It was just raining out all day long, and we just wanted to get out and play catch because, you know, as you know, the weather's been pretty, pretty wet this spring. Um, I don't know about you, I was getting kind of sick of the rain. Um, but we didn't have many opportunities to go out because it's been so wet outside. So we got a chance and we saw the opportunities, so we went out. And I didn't realize she took the bitch until later on that evening when I was looking through Facebook. And I happened to see that. And she wrote, um, the storms that passed, naturally, it's time for baseball. Hashtag blessed always by this dad. <laughs> Hashtag father on side catch. And uh, these are the best most. And I didn't realize that, like I said, until afterwards, I realized she said this. And it got me thinking, what does it mean to be a good father? What does it mean to be a good father? And then, so it got me thinking about these things. And I came up with, because of that picture, it kind of snapped in my mind three essential things that we need as fathers to, to bring onto our children that my father and my father are passed on to me. And I wanted to bestow onto my children as well. And to make things easier for you to remember, and I like, I like easy things, and to remember easy things, is they all start with a letter A, like in AAA baseball. So I'm always going to go back to the baseball theme. So if you remember anything else, it's AAA baseball, and you can hopefully can remember these three things. Three things that we need are affirming words to our children, active involvement, and an authentic spiritual leadership. So let's start with affirming words. There's power in our words. Words are important. You can choose to tear down with your words, and you also can choose to lift up and encourage with your words. And you know, your kids know what your more natural tendency is. Are you more of the encourager or the... Because it says in Proverbs 12, 18, 
The words of the reckless pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We are called as fathers to bring encouraging words, words that heal, words that strengthen, not words that tear down or wound. Your son and your daughter, no matter how old they are, will always need to hear these words from you. You have what it takes. You're worth fighting for. Sorry, emotional. My kids know how much I love them, and they're unconditionally. They don't, no matter how well they perform in school or how well they perform in the field or their extracurricular activities while they're singing on a stage or, or playing an instrument, I love them unconditionally. In a society of Facebook and Snapchat, there's a lot of opportunities for criticism, as you probably hear through stories. You know, sadly, there's many instances of teenage depression and even suicide because they absorb the words that they see on those things from, the, from their friends or whatever on, the, on that media platform. To combat this, Lisa and I intentionally instill in our children that their identity, their identity is in Christ alone and not what others may say to them. Knowing their true value and what comes from this is the only way our kids can survive in the world today. But I want to clarify something first. What I mean by affirming words, I don't mean by giving our children false praise, words of praise. Affirming words are words of truth, which at times can also mean helping them learn from, critic, you know, from a constructive criticism. When Lisa and I give constructive criticism to our children, we try to be transparent with our kids. Let me give you an example. My, both of my boys play baseball, obviously. I'm growing up and I'm a big baseball fan. Um, and after each game, we like to recap kind of what happened during that game. If they happened to make an error that day, or if they struck out, maybe. You know, we talk about it. We don't try to sugarcoat it or push it underneath the rug. We talk about it. We, we, and we, not in a harsh way, but we explain to, I explain to them and teach them, okay, what can we do differently in a situation that comes up again? But not only do we talk about those things, but also about the good things that they did, the well plays that they made, the hit that they did. And it all comes down to the tone of the way you speak to your children, not being judgmental, but always with a heart of compassion, focusing on them to help them better them and help them to grow and help them to improve. And that's what your kids need to hear from you. Their positive comments and attitude will shape their child's self-esteem and it will also affirm them. So dads, let your daughters know you think she's beautiful. That she's smart. And she's very talented. Dads, let your sons know that you think they're capable. And they can accomplish anything God has planned for them. So catch your son or daughter doing good things and affirm them in front of other people. Give them affirming words. The second habit that I want to talk about today is active involvement in your children's lives. Humans, you've heard before and over and over again, humans spell love, T-I-M-E. And this not only means going to their games and, and watching the competitions and going to school events and doing things like that. It's active involvement. It's teaching them life's lessons to their victories and to their, for their failures. And God is our ultimate parent. And he demonstrates to us all different kinds of things that we're trying to teach to our children. And God's always available, and he always makes time for us. Dad, let me ask you this question. What do you kids say is the most important thing about you or thing to you? Whether they're 15 or 50 years old, what would your kids say is most important to you? Is it your golf clubs? Is it your job or your house? Is it your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? What would your kids say to you? What do you spend your time on reflects what's most important to you. That's why it's important that when Jared and I, or Carter and I want to play catch, we do that. Or I take Emma and Abigail to... Um, an ice cream date. 
you know, or I let them help me around with my various honey-do list jobs around the house or the chores I may have to do. But we don't limit it to just those times. At least I intentionally try to involve them in many areas of our lives. Because again, the kids know what we value by our actions. If I only talked about talked and interact with Lisa on our on our dates, our marriage would definitely be in trouble. <laughs> but instead we spend time, we plan, and we dream together day in, day out. Similarly, we need to do this with our children. Don't let time go by with asking what's new in their lives. My kids can attest without fail every day during school or after school, Lisa and I would ask our kids three questions. And, and they go like this, usually in this order. Who would you sit and lunch with today? We ask that because we want to know who their friends are and what influences they have on their lives during the school day. The second question we ask them is, what did you learn today? What, is interesting, what interesting things did you learn today? What interesting things did you have today? Because we want to know what, what is their interest? What do they like? What do they dislike? And there's been days where they don't really give as much. They kind of give as monotone answers. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. So then when we don't get much response, we pull out the big guns. We ask the third question. Who got in trouble today? <laughs> and this usually spokes a quick response from them. It's kind of funny because it's so ingrained into our children's um, daily routine that sometimes Lisa would tell me that Carter will get into the car or Abby will get in the car. And before she even asked, they'll just read off, okay, I sat with Henry and I sat with blah, blah, blah. You know, I, uh, I learned this and uh, you know, someone else got in trouble today. <laughs> Parents in Violet, we'd be actively involved in our children's lives. The third and final habit I want to talk about today for fathers is to talk about authentic spiritual leadership. And this is one of the most important habits, I think, but it's also one of the most difficult to have sometimes. Because dads, we, sometimes we just don't feel like we measure up spiritually. But yet that's what God called us to do, to be a source of spiritual leadership and to bring a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit into the hearts and to the ears of our children. Obviously, dads, we're not perfect. We mess up. But we need to be real examples of Christ to our children. In other words, our children watch us as examples of how we deal with things, how we deal with conflict and criticism, how we deal with successes and failures. Show them how to argue and discuss without blaming, accusing, or saying spiteful words. Show them how to love when the other person involved in the situation is not loving back. Teach them how to be merciful to those who do not necessarily deserve mercy. Children have an uncanny way of picking up your habits and how you treat others. Are we showing disrespect to our peers? Are we showing uh, to our family members or bosses or governmental leaders with our words and actions? Do we constantly speak negatively about others, such as parents and teachers and coaches? They pick on up on how we deal with it. So we need to be spiritual examples to our children. Authentic spiritual leadership also includes protecting your family. I came across this, uh, when I was preparing this, I came across this by uh, James Dobson. I was reading in one of his books. And he used to take his kids to the window at night and open the window and point out there and say, look out there. And then he would go on and say, out there the world can be rough and it can be a cruel place. But in this home, in this place, this is a safe place that we can all count on each other no matter what. And as family, you lean on one another. As family, you help one another. Lisa and I try to teach our children that friends will come and go. I mean, I don't hang out with any of my high school friends anymore. I, don't, I, mean, I know them a little bit on Facebook, but how often do we hang out with our, our friends growing up? But your brothers and sisters will be there for you forever. So no matter what, treat them and speak with each other with love and encouragement. Always stand up for and protect one another. Obviously, as fathers, we want to protect them from physical harm. But as fathers, we also try to protect them spiritually from the negative forces outside and onto them. But it's impossible for us to do it alone. It has to have the intervention of God. 
So we pray, I pray, and Lisa prays daily for the protection of our family. And we also actively monitor what our kids bring into the home, what they watch, what they listen to, etc. Now, that might sound a little weird, but however, what I mean that, protecting your family does not mean just sheltering them. We don't want to shelter them, per se. But as they're little, as Joel is little, sometimes we have to do that just because they don't know what's right from wrong. What do I mean by protecting our family? We teach them and we equip them to protect and guard their own hearts themselves. Lisa and I talk to them, and Lisa says it gives an example a lot of times, like, you know, we're not going to be here always to help, you know, direct you and to assist you in making choices in your life that will help you protect yourself. You know, we ask them, we ask them to think what questions they have. What choices are you making? You know, is it, is it going to help you benefit you to go see this movie or this activity? Um, will it make you a better person? Or will it fill your minds and hearts with evil things? Obviously, not every choice is black and white. There's some gray area in there. But we want to instill them how to make godly choices that would ultimately edify and protect them. Fathers, as spiritual leaders in your house, we also need to model grace to our children. And as parents, I don't need to tell you, our children give us ample opportunity to show grace to them at times. As Joel said, sometimes you get a little frustrated, but we show grace. And Jesus is our greatest example of that, of modeling grace. And that he demonstrated this not only to admonish his disciples and others, but also to encourage them to lift them up. In John chapter 21, Jesus forgave Peter for denying him three times. Peter knew he blew it. And Peter knew that he had every, Jesus had every right to come down hard on him, but instead Jesus showed grace. He showed mercy. And instead of, instead of blaming him, he charged him, and he entrusted him with his church. That's an awesome show of grace, modeling grace. Lastly, as I wrap up, you show spiritually lead by actively sharing your faith. And this only comes by your personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot lead your children where you have not been. As dads, when your children see you earnestly pray for others, when they see you excited and willing to share what you, maybe God has showed you and what you've learned that day, and maybe in your devotions, or how God used you to, to speak into someone else's life, whether through the words or through actions, this speaks volumes. This communicates something. Whether your children are young or old, let your children see God's compassion for others in you, just as Jesus was moved with compassion in Mark 6 uh, for the people's spiritual needs. So as earthly fathers, we need to display the three A's or triple A of fathering. So I encourage you to speak affirming words to your children, to be actively involved in their lives, and to demonstrate authentic spiritual leadership to your children. Thank you. great, Derek and Joel. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to top any of that. My name's Rand Anderson. I've been a, uh, our family's been uh, uh, members here for quite a while. I'm not exactly sure how long, but quite a while. There's the crew. <laughs> They're growing every day. Uh, my wife and I decided a couple of years ago that uh, the kids were getting too many dogs and not enough kids, so we were pressing them. And now we got three new additions this summer, so we're very excited about that. Well, growing up, the, uh, I had uh, entered a raffle, and I'd won a prize, and I wanted to give it to one of the kids. And, uh, well, we got all these kids, and I said, well, how are we going to do this? So I said, well, here, here's the test, kids. 
the kid that is the most obedient, the one that uh, does what his mother says to do, the, the one that keeps the room clean and obeys their mother, will get the gift. And they all looked at each other, and they looked at me, and they go, okay, Dad, you can have it. <laughs> oh. So... <laughs> Uh, praise God. <laughs> so anyhow, it's a, it's a real privilege to be up here. Enjoy the uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And uh, we got these questions here, and it was funny because actually the first one I never even thought about, and it was, what does it mean to be a to you to be a father, and I thought, man, you know, all these years, and I, I tell you the truth, I've never really thought about it. So after thinking about it for a while, um, I came up with, there were three things that kind of hit me, a gift, kind of what Joel said, joy in a journey. The gift, and I will take it from uh, James 1.17, and it says, let's see, where are we here? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So God has blessed me with the ability to be like him in this way. Um, And it is a unique thing in creation. If you look all through, you don't see the angels being able to procreate and so forth. And he wants us to be able to uh, he gave us this tremendous ability to do that, and of course the responsibilities with that. Um, then the uh, next thing that, you know, what it means to be a father is joy. And this is like my life verse that I, I really uh, stick to, and it's from 3 John 4. And uh, 3 John 4 basically says that, you know, there's no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. And we can have no greater joy when we know our children are walking in truth. In other words, following the Lord, following his way, following the ways of truth, not in the ways of deception. There's so much deception and lies out there today. I encourage everyone, everyone, to turn off the TV and not listen to the news because it is mostly deception. And then a journey. It, uh, we go to Hebrews. Let's see, Hebrews 11, 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have, after received for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whether he went. And I'll tell you what, that's just like being a father. <laughs> we start out on this journey of father of fatherhood, and it starts out, you know, the children are young. Boy, things are going pretty good here. <laughs> As fathers that uh, have grown children know now, there are obedient children and ones that don't give you problems, but, you know, there are other ones that are challenging. So it's a journey, 
but there's the joy, and it's a gift as well. And uh, I just thank the Lord for that. So I like the, Dr. James Dobson. He wrote the book. It says, Parenting Isn't for Cowards. <laughs> and it isn't. <laughs> you have to have a little courage there. And then next it says, How has being a father made you grow more like Jesus? And uh, that, that's an interesting um, uh, thought there. Um, how does it make me more like Jesus? And I guess the thing that hit me was the fact that um, when you're a father, you have to learn to deny yourself and to um, put others before yourself. It happens when you get married initially, and then it, and you think, well, I've done well, you know. And, uh, and then when children come along, it's a whole other uh, level of that. And the scripture that I like to liken that to is 1 Corinthians 13, 11. It says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. So things that we, maybe they weren't bad things, but as we grow in our fatherhood and then, uh, then into our grandfatherhood, if you will, we learn to start putting other things aside and looking at more perfect things, things that are going to be lasting things. And so we do that. And then lastly, um, here, you know, the question is, what advice would you give uh, to other fathers this morning? And I would like to change that, and I won't use the word advice. I'll use the word counsel. I would like to counsel you on three different things that, that have really hit me in life. And the first thing would be authority. And there's two types of authority that fathers that we need to have. Of course, the uh, initial authority that we have is the fact that we are a father. And this is that gift that we were talking about that God has given us. Jesus talks about, uh, there's a, an example in Matthew 8, 9. I won't uh, go into it all, but basically a centurion uh, comes to get he, uh, you know, their, uh, healing um, and for his servant. And the, um, uh, he basically tells, he says to Jesus, uh, I'm a man under authority and I have people under me. And he understood how authority worked. And he also understood that there's great power in authority, positional authority, but what we need besides positional authority, we need moral authority. In other words, we don't say, just say things. We act and do those things. We be that example, not just in, in word, but in thought and deed as well. I think the next thing that really hit me, and this is a very powerful thing, is loving your wife. As fathers, we can set no greater example um, than loving our wife. And that's from Ephesians 5.25. As a contractor and as an old farm boy, I understand the basic rudiments of life. We understand that you have to have a foundation. For children to grow properly, they have to have that foundation. When the husband does not love his wife correctly or uh, does not show the type of love that God wants to, there is a strong weakness in that foundation. 
Personally, I've seen it. I'll never forget when I was in college, there was a girl in our curriculum, and all of a sudden she disappeared. I was asking her roommate, I said, what happened to so-and-so? And she told this story, and I couldn't believe it. And she said that uh, she had just found out her mom and dad were getting a divorce. They had waited till she went off to school so it wouldn't affect her. Well, this devastated her to the point where she ended up dropping out, and uh, it just totally messed up her life. So at that point, I said, boy, there, you know, you think about it, a husband and a wife, there could be no more, power, more powerful example for a kid. Now, kids are going to go and do things and stuff, and we understand that. You know, they're not going to be perfect. We weren't perfect. But when the parents have a strong foundation, the child, when they, when they go off, they'll have a much easier time correcting their life because they've been, uh, a, a model has been set for them. Um, teen Challenge, my brother was uh, uh, worked there for many years. Dave Pilch used to go here. And he'll tell you that children, uh, from the boys that come from broken homes have a much harder time um, uh, getting their, getting their, you know, it, they, it'll happen through God's grace, but it's much easier for children from intact homes to come to the truth and to get their lives squared around. And then lastly, disciplining your children. <laughs> and this is something that I see in our society today as huge. Um, the, you know, the, the scriptures are very clear about this, not only Old Testament, but New Testament. And it talks about how in uh, Hebrews twelve eleven. Um, that, you know, no chastisement for the, for the time is, you know, it seems good, but it will bring a life of righteousness. We need to be chastised, not only as the children of God, but we need to, touch, we need to uh, discipline and correct our own children. Um, let me tell you, I've had to do it with my kids, and <laughs> some of it was rather severe, but you know what? There's not one of them that wouldn't say, yeah, that's, and they needed that. That was something that needed to be done in their lives and stuff. And then today they're walking in a way that uh, is pleasing to the Lord. So I'm, I'm just encouraging you in those different areas. I thank uh, everyone here today, and we just uh, praise God.